Winter was here, but we're just getting started on our rewatch of Game of Thrones Season 5, Episode 6, Unbowed, Unbent, Unbroken. And uh, here are the two guys who I'm not afraid to call this man my traveling companion. I am Rob Sestrino here with Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I am doing rather well. I'm not quite ready to become no one, but I think I'm ready to become someone else. Mm-hmm. Are you ready to play the game of faces again? Let's play the game of faces. What uh, is the game of faces? I think the game of faces, it's like the, the game where you lie and you try not to get whipped by the wave. Why is that the game of faces? Because like you're, you're trying to convince the other person that the, the quote-unquote face you're wearing as you're lying uh, is so convincing. The game of so lies. A, uh, that would be that would be better. That would be better. No, but it's to like make you be like a better actor, a better performer, mm-hmm. uh, so that you can uh, you can never be caught in a in a, in a lie. Like it's it's like a it's like a real it's a real skill that they're teaching you for your for your stage work. Lady Crane is the, you know the queen Master. of the game of faces. Master. Yes, yes. All right, Josh. It is nice to be uh, back here with you. I am back here in the studio after uh, we recorded uh, one of these while I was in uh, New York. But uh, here we are, and maybe uh, uninterrupted here for uh, a couple of weeks here on the yeah. Game of Thrones rewatch. I think that we'll be locked in for a good little while. Thank you all for being so patient with us we really really appreciate it obviously extenuating circumstances i'm really excited to be back into game of thrones mode i really didn't think i would be uh because we're dealing with season five which i'm i'm uh, out there and i know that you have said this as well that it's it's not our, our favorite season of the show i don't think is uh unfair to say and the episode that we're talking about today is an episode that i certainly have maligned in the past as the single worst episode of Game of Thrones. And I think that like I was I was somewhat excited to check it out again just to see if that would hold up, but kind of like this tepid excitement. Certainly the ending of this episode is uh really depressing and horrible to watch and really difficult to watch on on so many levels. So I wasn't looking forward to revisiting this one. Plus it's got the Dorn fight with the sand snakes and, and Jamie and Bron and no one's really excited to to check that out after you've seen how it's played the first time. That being said I don't think this is the worst episode of Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I think that maybe this got a a bad rap. I came in expecting it to be uh, really, uh, you know, uh, the pits. And I think that maybe... And it wasn't even... The fighting pits weren't even in it. Right. Uh, I think that maybe in our mind, I think that we have uh, sort of uh, conflated some of the things here in this episode with some things that are in the next episode and maybe making it into uh, one particularly bad episode but no i think that i mean the stuff with uh jorah and uh Tyrion was pretty good i mean i like the stuff with uh cersei uh in the scenes that uh she was in with lady elena and littlefinger so that they're, they're, even the house of black and white stuff is this is some of the best stuff that you get in that storyline which is you know you're still it's still stretching a little bit with but I, exactly exactly i think that this episode contains two of my least favorite scenes in the whole show uh i think that i think that that's more accurate. I think that the that the Dorn fight really is terrible, uh, and the final scene. It's the less heavy. we speak, the less we speak about it, the the better. I think much as when we approached the scene with Jamie and Cersei in the Sept back in in season four, we talked about how that has only aged worse. Uh, this hasn't aged particularly well either. Uh, in our in our current climate, it's not so great. Um, but the the episode overall, I do think that there's a lot of high points. Like you said, I think that the Jorah and Tyrion scene, uh, I th- I think those are actually really really good scenes. 
Um, some of some of my favorite stuff with those two characters paired together. Uh, so I, I really liked that. The Marjorie uh, Loris trial scene is really, really good. Um, I think clearly the worst episode of Game of Thrones, uh, having walked away from this one, it's still got to be the Nightlands. The Nightlands still has to be <laughs> at the bottom of the yeah. list. All right. Well, let's get into it. Let's talk it through. Uh, we open up with Arya in uh, the House of Black and White. And it seems like there is one question on the mind of Arya in this episode. OK, I am washing all these dead bodies. Right. What are we doing with them? Why do I have Why? to clean all the dead bodies? Why? Why am I washing the dead bodies? I don't want to keep washing dead bodies. Please tell me why I'm washing dead bodies. And the wife's like, you'll find out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, When do I find out? I want to stop washing the dead bodies. I don't know. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. And so Arya wants to get back to uh, the game of faces. And the waif is like, no, no game of faces. You already lost. Good day. Yeah. yeah. Sorry. Uh, it's it's over. You had it's it's a, a single shot game. You don't get to buy back in. Uh, Arya just really, really wants to play the game. And so the waif tells her this story about who she is, that she, much like Arya, she's the daughter of a lord. And I was an only child and the heir to the, heir to the fortune. And uh, I was someone tried to kill me and I had to leave Westeros. So I joined the faceless men and my father uh, was widowed and it was all very, very sad. And I've been serving the faceless men. And then she's like, was that true? Or was it a lie? Mm-hmm. And Arya's like, oh, damn, we're playing the game of faces and I didn't even know. I wasn't paying that much attention because you're so in- uninteresting. Uh, so the, the game of faces is is just in uh, out of arm's reach for poor Arya. Yeah. They say uh, when you play the game of faces, you either win or you lie. <laughs> there is no middle ground. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. All right. Uh, we see Arya. She gets woken up in the middle of the night by uh, Jack and Hagar. Time for more game of faces. Yeah, Jack's like, no, I actually do kind of want to play Game of Faces with you. Uh, so they're playing it a little bit. Arya is getting hit a lot because she is uh, she is not doing well in the game. Uh, she he claims that she is lying not only uh, to him, lying to the many faced god, but also lying to herself. Especially about the the Sandor Clegane stuff. She says, "I hated him. I wanted him to suffer," uh, and he's hitting her over that because clearly uh, it's a lie. She she did not hate Sandor Clegane. He thinks right three times uh, she gets struck by uh, Jack and Hagar uh, when she talks about how. She hated the hound and he does it over and over again. And she says, hey, that's not a lie. I did hate him. Now, is Jack and Agar such a good read that he is just able to tell by her facial expressions like he's like a human lie detector? You know, if that's the case, then I think that his lie detecting skills need to be inspected uh, because technically Arya is saying I hated him, even if she didn't hate him at the very end. She hated him at some point. So technically, she's not lying, right? Well, she's talking about, I left him in the mountains to die. I wanted him to suffer. I hated him. Yeah, but just the semantics. I hated him. That could apply to a lot of different points in time in the past. Mm. She at least hated him at one point in time, right? See, I should be a faceless man. I've got, I've got, <laughs> yeah. I've got loopholes upon loopholes. Nobody would suspect Wiggler as a faceless You're Captain man. Loophole. Ah, <laughs> yes, the second podcast in the day that we're referencing the Great Archetype. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want to play this stupid game. And Jack and Nagar says, "Hey, guess what? We never stop playing the game of faces." Oh no. Sounds Terrible like a nightmare. 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 <laughs> what if Game of Thrones just became Game of Faces for the rest of the show from this point out? I, I definitely would have yeah, Well, that out. is one of the uh, prequels they're working on, right? Game of Faces? 
Oh, God, I hope not. Please, no. <laughs> Please, no. No, no. All right, Josh, we are going to check in with Jora, who is admiring his cootie spot with Tyrion. <laughs> I don't know if admiring is the right word. Inspecting, inspecting his own cootie spot and hiding it as best as he can. Mm-hmm. I thought Tyrion comes off a little self-absorbed uh, when he's talking with uh, Jorah about, you know, uh, their journey together. And uh, he wants to know, uh, did you ever wonder why I was here in a uh, brothel in Pentos? I think, uh, you know, I think one of the things that Tyrion is trying to do in this episode, and I think it's both out of self-interest, but also genuine curiosity. I mean, he's basically going to where he was going to go anyway. He's just uh, he's now traveling to Daenerys Targaryen under much more uncomfortable circumstances. And given the circumstances, I think he's trying to smooth things out a little bit. I think that there is an attempt to reason and bond at least a little bit with Jorah Mormont here and saying, like, do you understand why I was where I was when you captured me? It's not just because I wanted to come here. Things have happened. There is news uh, out of King's Landing that you are not aware of. I killed my dad. I, I betrayed the family. Uh, maybe maybe I'm not the guy that you think I am, I think is, is what he's trying to get at here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the reason that he wasn't a brothel in Pendles really was, though, that uh, he needed to be at a brothel. I mean, yeah, that was, like, that was, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that was specifically why he was in the brothel. Mm-hmm. In Volantis, it's another story, but the brothel really was for a solitary purpose. Yeah. And now Tyrion sort of puts his foot in his mouth when he is talking about how, you know, but your father, oh, uh, you know, why couldn't I have a dad like yours? Uh, they said, yeah. we'll never see a man like this again. And then Tyrion realizes, oh, you didn't know uh, that uh, your dad was dead. Yeah, he could have taken a softer approach to that, I think. Uh, yeah, Jorah's, Jorah's sad to to hear this. He like kind of swallows it and just like moves on. We're going to get some great stuff with Jorah and Jon Snow uh, later on in the show when they meet up for that uh, the, the Beyond the Wall episode in Season 7. Um, but Jorah's a, he's a strong, sturdy guy who doesn't have too much time for feels unless it's uh, feeling the grayscale that's uh, growing on his wrist right now. <laughs> Uh, Jorah wants to know how. How did it happen? Let me know. And uh, <laughs> and here we go. Yeah. A great opportunity to shout out our boy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that, uh, well, Jorah doesn't I know his name. Otherwise, uh, he said, uh, are, "Are you familiar with uh, Carl Effing Tanner?" <laughs> like, oh, from Gin Alley. Yeah. Oh God, I hate Carl Tanner <laughs> from Gin Alley. He was undefeated around those parts. <laughs> Imagine the timeline where Carl Tanner is traveling with these two, and they encounter Mister Echo. He would definitely be sold to the fighting pits with that reputation. He'd be a good traveling companion. No, mm. he'd be the worst. He'd chop your head off and deflesh your your head and drink wine from your skull, and it would be bad. It would be bad. Um. So Tyrion tells Jorah that uh, he was murdered by his own men. Uh, I would have been like Pastor Jorah. You just said that they said, "Well, we won't see another guy like him." Yeah. So was that like a like a like a, a sarcastic remark? <laughs> Are you really rubbing it in my face? Maybe did Carl Tanner say that after he was drinking out of his skull? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Context, man. Context. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well. We go back to the House of Black and White, uh, a little respite from the House of Black and White. And there is a young girl there with her dad. She's suffering. Dad uh, wants uh, to give her the mercy. 
Yeah, the gift of mercy because she's not doing well. And so Arya then gives her the gift of mercy and in so doing is telling her a story, uh, a story about how, uh, you know, she was brought here by her father who loved me the way that your father loves you and prayed for the many faced God. I drank this water. It healed me. And so she knows what she's doing. She knows having seen multiple people drink this cup and then pass away that she's probably euthanizing this girl. Mm hmm. And I, I think she's like trying to ease her out a little bit. Like this is still there's still some light in Arya Stark at this moment. Uh, not much, but still some. It has not been fully extinguished yet. Yeah. thought the Game of Thrones could have, you know, made this girl seem a little worse off. Uh, you didn't like her her dying acting wasn't wasn't up to par for you? No, she just didn't seem like she was uh, coming across as like suffering greatly. Uh, maybe it was a good day. It was a good day. You know? It was a good day. You know? uh, so Arya is then uh, working on the body of uh, this young woman. And then uh, she tries to open the door. She tries to uh, go in and see what's going on. And uh, Jack and Hagar says uh, she's not ready. Yeah, not ready. Not ready yet. She's not ready. Uh, not ready to become no one, but she is ready to become someone else. Yeah. So, well, this is where we go to the Hall of Faces. And this is uh, this is why I like this storyline, at least this week, uh, is we finally get to see the Hall of Faces, which was, uh, you know, a very lavishly described place in the book. Uh, I think that the show does an excellent job of showing us this place. It ended up being a key feature in the marketing campaign for season six. I think it was when they've got uh, like every character's face potentially in the Hall of Faces. This is after uh, Jon Snow has been killed at the end of season five. Uh, spoiler alert for those of you who've mm-hmm. wandered in here by accident, but we're doing that these days and we have been for some time. Um, but it's, it's uh, there, there was like Kit Harrington's face on the wall and, you know, Christopher Heavesu, like all of these different people, all of these different actors from the show. So I love the Hall of Faces. I wish that the storyline surrounding the Hall of Faces was a little better, but I think just as a visual, uh, as an iconic location within Game of Thrones, it's really cool. And it was exciting to go back and see it after some time away. Okay, so Arya, uh, that she is going to uh, become somebody else. Now, she's going to take on the role of, uh, you know, um, the uh, fish merchant, right? But is she wearing a face soon? No, 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 no. So she's she's just like doing like reconnaissance, I think. It's like she's not ready yet to be putting on another face, uh, but you are ready to start like acting and, and going out there and trying to play a role and see if like you can do sort of like the stealth tactics that are involved in being a faceless man. Okay. How excited are you for oysters, clams, and cockles, by the way? <laughs> I guess pretty excited. Pretty excited, right? It's going to be a great time. Okay. All right. So let's uh, then uh, talk about uh, Jorah and Tyrion. Uh, that uh, Tyrion's asking, uh, you know, why Daenerys Targaryen? Uh, well, what's so great about her? Have you seen her? <laughs> she's amazing. Yeah. Because she is. She stepped into a fire and she was totally fine. She's a badass and she's got dragons. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard dragons singing? Listen to the Wandoff. They're great. <laughs> yeah. Can't really say that I've heard any uh, dragon sing. But, uh, you know, Tyrion brings up some good points. And I think they're questions that we've asked about, you know, uh, well, okay, great. So she conquers Westeros. Then what? 
Right. A thousand years of peace and prosperity. And, you know, he talks about how, uh, you know, without essentially saying it, he's it's a, it's a coin flip. The Targaryens can be insane. What if she conquers the world and is insane? Uh, and Jorah is really just like a Daenerys apologist. And he's not even considering the fact that maybe she's not going to be a great queen. Uh, you know, when Tyrion says it doesn't mean she's going to be a great queen, Jorah does allow it. No, it doesn't. Uh, but he doesn't really examine it too far. I think that the show is asking us to examine the possibility. I think that everything involved in the Daenerys storyline, certainly this season, is really asking us to look in the face of would Danny be a great queen? She's a badass and she has dragons, but is she going to be a great queen that is going to bring peace and prosperity, or is this just sort of um, a you know a, a, a pursuit of destiny, something that she feels entitled to rather than something that she really ought to be pursuing because of her altruism? Um, I, I think that the the show really wants us to to ask these questions. Because I really do feel that in the end, Daenerys is also going to have to look at this in the mirror and realize that maybe this is not the right way to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the, the evidence is here throughout the show. These are just things to track just in case that's the, the, the direction um, the final season takes us in with the Danny storyline. Josh, do you think that we will get a child conceived between uh, Daenerys Targaryen and Jon Snow before the end of Game of Thrones? I don't think it's impossible. I think that that would certainly fit with the the dragon has three heads thing, right? Like, you know, suddenly the two of them uh, joining together are able to produce a child. Uh, Now there's three dragons as a result of uh, this union. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that makes some sense. I could see it. So going back to these uh, Targaryen coin flip, uh, they could come out insane or uh, not insane. Uh, Do you think that that kid is going to be uh, somewhat normal at all? I like the idea of uh, I love this idea, actually, if it's like their their child is like maybe like their child is like ferreted away in secret, sort of the same way that John was similar to how Danny was raised as well. uh, If there's some sort of uncertainty about the kid uh, at the end of Game of Thrones, I actually really like this. I've never really considered that before, that the child of the offspring of John and Danny could become like this epic person of lore, the song of ice and fire, if you will, that all hopes are pinned on. But we just don't know how that's going to shake out because it's just a baby Mm -hmm. by the end of the show. Uh, Then maybe someday there could be a sequel where it's the the John and Danny child show. Or maybe we can get like some like, you know, way down the road, uh, six feet under type uh, postscript. Ooh, I like that. Spoiler alert for Six Feet Under, but I love that. Or we could get some sort of time-traveling, universe-crossing storyline where uh, Baby Snow, Baby uh, Snow Targaryen, uh, finds uh, him or herself in the zombie apocalypse and is now teamed up with uh, Season 28 Walking Dead Judith. (laughs) Yeah, perfect. So uh, Jorah spots a ship. Uh, That's a slave ship. All right, high behind this rock. Yeah, they're here for water. Uh, there you go. Wah, wah, wah. And here comes Mr. Echo. Yeah. And so. A.K.A. <laughs> Malco. Malk. Your buddy Malk. Uh, we uh, yada yada a little bit here uh, that they get spotted to they're captured. Uh, did Jorah fight these guys? I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't look like it. Uh, he doesn't look too worse for wear when we when we get to the next seat. Mm-hmm. When we get to the next seat, and they're all they're all tied up. But I mean, how else does that happen? Uh, I think is a, a decent call. I don't know. We kind of yada yada through a great actor just being like plopped into Game of Thrones in a total nothing role. Like, why do you summon Adewale Akinoye Akabaje for this character just to have him be like this two bit slaver who never shows up again? <laughs> 
Uh, I'm not a fan of that. You know how much I love Mr. Echo. Huge fan of uh, Simon Adebisi on Oz. I don't know if you were an Oz guy. This actor is the best. I was so excited when he was joining Game of Thrones, and they just give him absolutely nothing to do. I, I just feel like that Jorah kind of goes down here without uh, a fight, uh, you know, literally. And he's supposed to be this great fighter, you know? <laughs> I mean, if, well, yeah. I, they're, they're, they're going to send Jorah off to the salt mines. You would think that he was at least... I was going to say, did you feel triggered by that? <laughs> yeah, he's going to go off to the galactic salt mines. You would yeah, think that he's like... with you and Tyson and Danny. Right. So then uh, Tyrion, uh, they have uh, worse plans for him. They're going to cut his throat. And then they're going to uh, chop off uh, a very special part of his because allegedly it has magic powers. Magic powers. Magic powers. His oyster clam and and cockle is uh, going to be removed. (laughs) If I was Tyrion, I'd be like, uh, guilty as charged. Uh, so much magic. Uh, well, I mean, he he basically does have a moment like that uh, where Tyrion's like, "How would he? He has to know it came from a dwarf. How would he? How would he know unless he sees the dwarf?" No. And the slave and the slaver says, "Well, it's going to be dwarf sized." And Tyrion goes, "Oh yeah." Yeah. He has a great has, line delivery. Yeah. Like, yes again. Yeah. It's like, ooh, <laughs> the famous Tyrion Lannister. It's a tripod, as they would say in Austin Powers. <laughs> Yeah, and they say, all right, fine. He can live until we find a uh, you-know-what merchant. Is that like a Dr. Mike? Uh, I think it is. I think it is. Yeah, that's the character that he would play in uh, in Game of Thrones. <laughs> yes. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> Work it. It's got magic powers. Trust me. <laughs> Maester Mike has got it all figured out. That's why they call me Magic Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, right. great so uh hey guess what uh did you know that this guy right here now that, that they're talking about the uh fighting pits being back open hey uh did you hear that this guy is the best fighter ever right and so this this uh you have to imagine tells us that jorah did not fight these guys uh otherwise like they you know this wouldn't have even been a a, an argument to be had because he got bested by all these people but Tyrion is saying this is this is jorah mormont he's a he's a very impressive fighter he beat jamie lannister in jousting Mm -hmm. and and malcolm's like "Eh, but jousting's kind of lame yeah so they ultimately convince him uh, because they he, Jorah has fought a uh, Dothraki uh, fighter. Yeah, Blood it's rider. Like Jorah, Jorah finally decides like to not be so humble. He's like, I did kill a Dothraki blood rider. It was really cool. You should have seen it. I was wearing armor. It was great. Mm-hmm. They cut him in the face and stuff. Dropped to the ground in a really cool shot. This is season one stuff. It was really, really good. So let's uh, go back to uh, King's Landing, where Littlefinger has finally arrived, Josh. Brother Lancel is, is here to, to greet Littlefinger. Uh, and Littlefinger is unimpressed with Brother Lancel, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so he does not really want to let uh, Littlefinger through. And uh, Littlefinger, I thought, is, uh, you know, uh, surprisingly uh, flip with the uh, Faith Militant. Yeah, definitely. Like, Lancel's like, be careful, little finger. There's no tolerance for flesh peddlers in the new king's landing. So Dr. Mike is unwelcome here. <laughs> uh, and little finger is like, yeah, but I'm just going to do it anyway. So mm-hmm. back off, brother Lancel. Yeah. 
Littlefinger tells him, uh, we both peddle fantasies, Brother Lancel. Mine just happened to be entertaining. Sick burn. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's going to be a sick burn. Just a, <laughs> a little over a season from now. All right, so Littlefinger and Cersei talk. And so uh, I think that this was a very interesting uh, conversation. And, and I didn't really remember. I knew that they had seen together here in season five. I didn't remember exactly what they talked about. Sure. And, well, I, have to, I have to admit, too, like I kind of spaced out during this scene. So if you could catch me back up on okay, this, it good. seemed like there was some compelling stuff happening here. Good. All right. So first, uh, Littlefinger, who's, you know, generally the king of bad ideas. Uh, yes. It's a sort of call, <laughs> like, uh, do you think it was a good idea to have the queen? arrested she's like uh, i think so i think it was yeah i feel good about it i feel good <laughs> yeah and so um uh he's saying uh but uh, don't you think that this was uh uh gonna be an insult to house tyrell and she's like uh, if anything i should be offended that uh you know loris could have married me instead he chose the company of men and they end up uh, getting into talking about uh, Littlefinger's uh, choice of a bride. And they're getting into like really just off the beaten path talking about, you know, who is hooking up with who. Lots of gossip. But anyway, yeah, she's like, oh, sorry about Lysa Aaron. And he's like, yeah, she was great. It's like, yeah, no, she wasn't. She kind of <laughs> sucked. Yeah. All right. So they end up getting back to uh, Littlefinger has some news for Cersei. Hey, guess. Yeah. Guess what I heard? Uh, I heard that Santa Stark is going to be marrying uh, uh, Roose Bolton's son and to become the, the you know, Lord of uh, Winterfell and, and uh, the, the Warden of the North. and wants to marry a Stark girl. And she is incensed. She's like, I knew we shouldn't have been working with uh, these uh, treasonous a-holes. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah, I mean, good call. Except for the fact that the traitor is right in front of you, Cersei. Mm-hmm. That's right. Okay, so here's uh, what Littlefinger is uh, telling her about how, hey, uh, Stannis is going to uh, be riding there because Cersei wants to go, uh, uh, you know, wants to do something about this. And Littlefinger's saying, like, hey, hold on a second. Because Stannis is coming, so let them fight. Let Stannis fight the Boltons, and then you know, uh, you know, you can move in there. And uh, Cersei is concerned. You know, it's going to be winter, and uh, the you know, it's very far away, the North. And she wants to know, uh, you know, does does she have loyalty from uh, the Vale? Right. And Littlefinger, it seems like he's kind of positing that, right? It's like, listen, if all these people can't like show up and fight in your in your honor, uh, I've got the veil. Maybe the veil can help. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so Littlefinger says, oh, well, if you don't want to go up there, you know, I guess I can send right. the veil in and then, you know, conquer whoever comes out of that one. Right. Uh, so that's, you know, this is interesting. This stuff is going to pay off to to some degree. Um, you know, we're, we know that he's going to eventually swoop in with the Knights of the Vale, but only after the Boltons and the Baratheons have fought and some of their forces have been weakened. Certainly the Baratheons are wiped out. So some of the planning is still going accordingly, I guess. Well, she's like, with all due respect, Littlefinger, uh, you know, we you're well respected as a uh, brothel keeper and money lender as a, but, as a flesh peddler <laughs> right but you're not a military man and he's like well what do you have to lose what do you have to lose uh, that you you won't have to harm one lannister soldier so 
what I'm trying to get to here, Josh, is so should we assume that the Littlefinger plans of season six and season seven are still in play? Is he still operating under this playbook where then he is going to uh, ride in with the uh, Knights of the Vale? I mean, that in season seven, I think it's uh, or I forget if it's in in season six. Uh, I guess it's the end of season six. It's presented as Sansa saved Jon Snow's ass uh, when uh, she <laughs> called in Littlefinger. But right. Littlefinger is kind of saying that this is his plan all along to ride in with the Knights of the Vale and then take over Winterfell so and that so that he will be installed as Warden of the North. Right. And so then what's his what's his move after that is like to like go and be like coronated by Cersei and during the coronation somehow kill her and like take over the throne. Like, is that like the next step? Is that like the final step in his master plan to like reveal Sansa and then like have like the loyalty of all of the North, the loyalty of the people in the Vale and a, a, a vast number of people in the King's Landing area who will be thrilled to have a regime change away from the Lannisters after all of these uh, these headlines that you just cannot escape. Mm-hmm. Uh, is that is that the plan, do you think? Well, it's interesting because Cersei says, okay, I, I know that you're a man of your word when I have Sansa Stark's head on a spike. So Littlefinger could get installed as the warden of the, of the North, but without Sansa, without the Starks, I don't think he can hold the North. So it's a little bit of a catch-22. Maybe he never figured this part out. Or he's like, I've got Santa's head on a spike. Let's hang out. I'll show you. And then mm-hmm. he, they hang out and he, he's like, here, it's over here. And then he kills Cersei. Yeah, I guess Draws he can just in. like uh, buy some time of that. OK, he can like send a note to Cersei. Hey, I've taken the north as you've asked. So I'm on top of that. Uh, don't worry about these reports about the Starks being here, too. That's fake right. news. That's fake news. Um Interesting stuff. Would have been great to see it play out. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, let's go to Dorn. And uh, hey, we, uh, we have some good news. Uh, uh, we could yaddy out of this a little bit. Uh, cool. Tristane is going to uh, propose to Marcella. All right. Well, if we're going to yada yada, then let's just forget all of that. None of that's going to happen. So who cares? Well, and, you know, it, I think this is the first time that we're seeing them speak to one another. I think we saw them like from a distance. And who cares? <laughs> all right. So in this scene, Tristane and Marcella have some lines of dialogue and they kiss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then that's that's really it. That's all that's all that happens. Yeah. Uh, and we see Prince Doran from afar. Say, oh, a lovely couple, a Lannister and a Martell. What could go wrong? So much could go wrong. Watch <laughs> out lot. for that satay. Uh, and then we see Bronn and Jamie. They're on their way to the water garden. In disguise. In disguise, uh, Bronn is singing the Dornishman's wife. Bronn really has a, a tremendous singing voice, I, I must say. <laughs> yes. We've called it the Waldorf before, but I do think like the Brondoff kind of writes itself uh, if ever if ever were to go in that direction. He's sort of the Wanda of uh, Westeros. <laughs> uh, but they're, they're marching to the water gardens, and they've got their costumes on, and we see that the Sand Snakes are planning to make their move against For Marcella. Oberyn. For Oberyn! Uh, Red Viper rolling in his grave. Uh, and then there is a fight. Uh, everyone converges at the same place at the same time, and a fight. A fight <laughs> occurs. Yeah. Uh, 
Now, uh, this was, I think, uh, criticized at the time. I think people were asking for there to be uh, yakety sax played over this. Yes. Was this as bad in your uh, viewing uh, most recently as opposed to in the original airing? I think because we're so far away from it, um, I think it does. And also, I have to say that uh, I, I think just like the distance that I've had from the, the weekly watching, I was just very excited to get back into Game of Thrones. Uh, it didn't play quite as poorly for me this time around. I think really the worst part is when Ariel Hota shows up with his axe and is mm-hmm. like, break it up, break it up. <laughs> guys, you know, guys, it's guys. Stupid. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know the whole thing is just kind of dumb and it's a little hokey it's not like i used to like call it like a like a Haim saban production like power rangers quality here uh, or vr troopers if you prefer or beetleborgs if you liked that uh but it's it's sort of it, it's it's not quite that bad like it still has some hbo production value behind it but the sand snakes just kind of suck they just kind of suck they're just kind of not great mm-hmm. uh and the whole thing is just a little joyless and uh uh i don't know and we want to like them. Yeah, we want to like them, but we, we don't. They're, they're, you know, I, I think that there was a lot of hype coming into there was. this season of like, there oh, was. here come the Sand Snakes. They're badass. Watch out what's going to happen. Yeah. I mean, I remember, you know, when we would do preview podcasts and we'd do like the road to Westeros and stuff. And we would look ahead at what's going to happen in the season. Like, watch out for these Sand Snakes. They're going to be great. The Dorn storyline's going to be heating up. Just you wait, Rob Sesterino. You're mm-hmm. going to love these characters. And then they all showed up and they all sucked. They're all terrible. They weren't good. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I think I definitely felt that uh, the the hype uh, was was there was too much, and they could not live up. Uh, They're so a little was, one think, note. Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> a little, a lot, a lot. One note. It's really just one note that they're playing and it's like three sand snakes one yeah, note yeah revenge Obren. for Obren. yeah it's just yeah it's oh i'm over it. i hate the lannisters do boo with lannisters it's just dumb it's not great but it's not the worst it's not the worst thing that's ever happened it's just not very good okay josh let's check in with lady elena who has uh come to pay uh, a visit to King's Landing, and uh, it still smells. Smells like poop <laughs> uh, from five miles away, she says. Uh, they called the shit poop again. Um, so she comes to King's Landing because Loris has been uh, has been captured, and he's the heir to Highgarden, and none of this is good. Uh, and so she wants to she wants to fix this up. But this is another reason why this cannot be the worst episode of Game of Thrones because the Queen of Thorns is here. Diana Rigg is incredible, and we get a scene with her opposite Cersei, and it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Cersei is uh, writing and not paying attention to Olena. Uh, you know, shades of when we saw Olena meet with Tywin uh, a couple seasons ago. And so uh, she wants to know what's going on here with Loras. Right. She's like, what is happening here? Mm-hmm. What is the deal? Mm-hmm. What? I, I leave for freaking five episodes mm-hmm. and all hell breaks loose. Yeah. And so Lady Olena says, look, I, I know you're behind this. Like, What? What? How? How could? Why? How? Why would you say that? Me? Hmm. Yeah. Uh, and Cersei is, is. She's shocked. What can she do? Yeah. Uh, I didn't do this. Uh, it's just great. Uh, they're playing the game of faces as well, right? Like you know, it's it's all it's all lies. It's all lies here on Game There'd of Thrones. There'd be a lot of smacking happening in the uh, uh, at least yes. from Lady Elena towards uh, Cersei. I'm not sure Lady <laughs> Elena is lying about anything. 
<laughs> no, she's very she's speaking very plainly, I think. Uh, you know, and she has the great line of like, I didn't trust your father. I didn't really like him, but I respected him. He wasn't a fool. He understood that sometimes we must work with our rivals rather than destroy them. Uh, and I think that there is, of course, a lot of uh, like old school political wisdom to what uh, the Queen of Thorns is saying in this moment. Mm-hmm. Cersei, Cersei doesn't play that game. Cersei burns down the house. Uh, so, you know, it's not going to be ultimately immediately effective for Cersei what she's trying to do here uh, for her plans against the Tyrells. But like this tactic is going to remain her tactic of just destroy them. They're, you you know she and it's from it's baked into the premise of the character from the very beginning in a, in a lot of ways even though Cersei undergoes uh, a lot of big um, storyline shifts and gains power and loses loved ones along the way to some degree it's less that she changes on this show and more that everything about her just heightens uh, and tightens and like you know she says that line to to Joffrey that I think is very very telling early on in the show Everybody who is not us is our enemy. Uh, has she never not been true to that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that is a uh, very astute observation. Thanks. Yeah, uh, that's, uh, she is who uh, we thought she was. She am who she am. Yeah. She didn't let him off the hook. Negative. All right. So uh, we uh, Cersei is uh, basically setting up that look. It's not a big deal. They're just gonna they're gonna have a small hearing. Not a big, it's no big whoop. Just a little tiny hearing. It's a tribunal. Tribunals are fine. <laughs> yeah. Are there any small tribunals? Uh, this is a tiny tribunal. Mm-hmm. So in the High Septon's uh, office, uh, high, the, the High Sparrow is uh, hard at work and uh, he's like the prosecutor. He is. Yeah. He's just like he's laying in all these people. And Loris is uh, he's he's very insistent that uh, I never I never slept with any men. I never slept with Renly. All of this is lies. All of this is is uh, is is false. None of this is real. I'm a I'm I'm not who you're saying I am. And yeah. uh, the highest is like, OK, that's good. And so he's like, oh, all right. And so he gets up and everyone thinks it's over. Yep. And then, wait, hold on. It's not over. Let's talk to somebody else. Who else? Who else uh, can we talk to? Uh, Oh, how about Marjorie? Right. So here comes Marjorie. Uh, Marjorie shows up and she is also backing Loris on all of this. Like, none of this was true. All of this is a lie. I believe my brother. All of that. Yes. Q. Oliver. Now, as some sort of uh, amateur Westerosi legal analyst, uh, I think that Marjorie should have uh, taken the fifth year. Yeah, I think that's probably yes. correct. Uh, and uh, what I mean by that is uh, the warrior. That is uh, the, the fifth. <laughs> just, oh my God, Matt. <laughs> like just immediately. Yeah. Okay. So uh, she's like, nope, 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 never did it. I would know. Uh, that's crazy talk. No. Okay. All right. And now the High Sparrow calls in the star witness, Oliver. Oliver, Oliver. Do, do, and do, in, do, comes, do. in comes Oliver. Uh, it's full of, full, of, uh, full of porridge and ready to, to <laughs> spill the tea. Full of porridge? Is that not? Oh, it's gruel. Sorry. <laughs> it's gruel that he ate. <laughs> Oliver Twist. Yeah. 
Remember the great the great play? And the high sparrow is like, uh, can I please have some more testimony? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> more <laughs> uh, and so he he gives he he gives the damning testimony of like, yeah, totally slept with Loris. Here's how I can prove it. He's got a Dornish birthmark on his thigh, and uh everyone's like, Ugh, this is bad. Mm-hmm. In that moment, I mean like the second he walks in, they all kind of know this yes. is game over. And Oliver uh says uh, that and he has a birthmark, your grace, uh high on his thigh. It's a uh wine colored and uh the shape of Dorn. And right. In my mind, I think I got this confused uh, between this and the Naked Gun 33 and a third where that they sort of like uh, like uh, brought Loris up there and then uh, like pulled down uh, his uh, britches <laughs> to reveal the birthmark yeah. and then tried to scrub it off. Oh, man, I haven't seen that movie in a long time. The uh, only thing that I remember very well from that movie is when Fred Ward is like catapulted up to the plane with you, the bomb. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't remember. I believe the scene. that the guy uh, had the birthmark of Whistler's mother. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, I gotta watch that movie again. I wonder how the OJ stuff will play. <laughs> Nordberg uh, still. Uh, <laughs> oh God! Get out of this! Yeah. Get out of All this! Right. Get out of um, this! Maybe it was Naked Gun two and a half. I think that might okay. have been one. I'm not sure which one it is. I was uh, like 33 and a third when Fred Ward gets like popped up to the sky and into the plane and his head pops out of the toilet. Mm-hmm. And, he and, the, he and the bad guy look at each other and then they blow up. Yeah. Spoiler alert. It's a great scene. Yeah. Okay. Uh, naked, I'm sorry. Naked Gun two and a half. Uh, the smell of fear. Got it. Got it. <laughs> I haven't seen that one. I've okay. only seen the first and the third. Uh, all right. Take away Marjorie and Loris. They're in big trouble now. Right. And at this point, this is when Marjorie should definitely ask she's being dragged away. Trial by combat, trial by combat. Mm-hmm. You know? And I want the mountain. I want the zombie mountain. <laughs> Bring <laughs> them back. the zombie mountain. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you can't uh, do this. I'm the queen. Yeah. But they can, and they did, and they do it. And she is taken away, and she will be taken away for the uh, remainder of the season and into next season. She's going to be locked up. We are in um, we are in endgame territory for Marjorie, even though it's going to take more than a season from now for her to die. We are in this final stretch. Okay. Then Sansa back in Winterfell. Uh, somehow this Miranda that convinced her to that she had a present for her. And it was Theon, and uh, there was all these mean barking dogs. Somehow Sansa has uh, continued to speak with this person, and she's and and this Miranda has said, uh, "Sansa, can I give you a bath?" And Sansa's like, "Fine, fine, okay." And she's giving her a bath, and she's washing her hair, and all the black dye is coming out, and uh, Miranda seems happy. What is Miranda trying to do here in this scene? I think she's still just trying to get under Sansa's skin, emotionally flay her. In what, in what way? In what way? Because it seems like that she's giving her sort of like sound advice of dealing with Ramsay. I think it's more like this is what to expect. Mm-hmm. You're one of the sweet girls who's gonna who's gonna get thrown to the dogs. I mean, shouldn't Miranda want uh, Ramsay to get bored with Sansa? Yeah, but I think that she also wants to like emotionally torture Sansa at the same time. And I think that that's what she thinks that she's doing. Uh, yeah, Sansa doesn't care. Yeah. So she's like, uh, let me give you some more pointers about Ramsey, okay? Uh, that he hates it when uh, you, uh, like, uh, who cares? Right. 
Right. Well, Sansa's the one who who is like siding with you, right? Like <laughs> right. Sansa's like, "Hey, Miranda, shut up, shut up. Mm-hmm. I'm Sansa Stark. You're stupid, Miranda. I'm my, my my house. You can't frighten me here. This is my place." Yeah. And she eventually turns around, and is like, "Yeah, uh, can you just answer one thing? Uh, how long have you loved him?" Yeah. And also, could you stop being a stupid idiot? That would be great. Mm-hmm. Did you imagine that you're going to be with him forever? And then I came here, so. <laughs> Like Sansa's so kind of really awesome. mean to uh, Miranda, and I loved it. Uh, when deserved, deserved. Miranda is like, uh, it, it, "Do you want anything else?" And she's like, "Girl, I can finish on my own." Okay. Yeah, like I can bathe myself. You can't I'm frighten not a baby. Me. I'm not a baby. All right, get out of here. Don't call me baby. <laughs> Nobody puts uh, <laughs> baby. baby in a bathtub. All right, it's Sansa's wedding day. Oh, they did. They get Sansa a nice wedding dress. How much do we have to talk about? I this? mean. Uh, I mean, well, yeah, how much do we have to I do? I mean, this? it happened on the show. Uh, I know. I, I mean, know. Um, I, I, we don't need to talk about that. Uh, like, uh, I know what you don't want to talk about. We don't have to talk about that. All right. Well, they, you know, they they staged the scene in a way that's that's, um, you know, it's with like all the snow that's on the ground and the wearing of the white and the torches and the godswood at night. It's shot very well. It's, I you mean, know, all, it was a beautiful scene shot very well. ceremony. Um, but it seems like that there was not much of a reception. No, they yada yada through the reception. I'm sure that you there, think was there was one. one. Maybe not. Maybe not. You know, maybe not. Maybe, maybe, maybe Bruce Bolton at this point is like, uh, last wedding I went to didn't, didn't go, go so great. great. Yeah, it seems like that we go right from the reception. I mean, every other wedding we've ever seen in Game of Thrones, that it seems to be, you know, it's sort of like a raucous affair, and there's uh, there's drinking and betting ceremony. Yeah, but the Boltons and, aren't partying. Yeah, they, you it know, the Bolton, like they yeah. just yada yada at the party. I think that's likely. I think, uh, like, literally, I think that it could be like uh, weddings are uncouth right now. The last two royal weddings involved much death. They didn't go great. Uh, well, Marjorie uh, and Tommen went great. off without a hitch. That was fine, but that also was pretty much without a reception. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe they feel like the key to happiness is no reception. Right. Uh, also, Roose Bolton seems like a fairly thrifty guy, and I don't think that he's really looking to spend money on a big wedding. Mm-hmm. And I mean, traditionally, uh, the bride's family pays for the wedding and she kind of doesn't have a family. Oh, like, come on. I mean, I'm just telling you that there could have been a lot of factors. I mean, that <laughs> that uh, Roose Bolton is notoriously cheap. He married Walda because Walda Frey said he would pay uh, him in pound right. or but in up per pound of silver. The weight, yeah, the weight of his in. wife. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. I mean, if he had to foot the bill, he's like, I'm not paying for this wedding. Uh, Absolutely. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so before all this happened, uh, Theon is uh, scheduled to uh, bring Sansa down the aisle. And Sansa's like, I'm not going with you. He's like, but I'll be in trouble. She's like, I don't care. What do you think of like Theon's humperdink aesthetic? <laughs> yeah. I didn't love this look for Theon. Yeah, he's Reek, gone full of Humperdinck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, there's this uh, terrible ending for the episode it's not good not good it's not good and uh you know and we i I don't know if there's anything else to uh, address there it was not it's it's the wedding night ramsey is terrible he has sex with sansa in front of theon and like forces theon to watch and it's all horrible and i think at at the time of this episode airing i was very upset about it that was back when we still did the terry schwartz book clubs even uh uh, i think i think we did one season past that maybe Mm -hmm. um 
Terry, who's doing phenomenally, by the way, yeah. these days. She, her career is remarkable to, crushing to, to watch from, from afar. She's absolutely crushing it. Uh, we didn't like this. We were, we were unhappy with this. Well, uh, nobody liked this. this, this nobody is, this liked is polling this. at 0% approval. Yeah, it was very, it was very, very bad. It remains very, very bad. Uh, it was, you know, uh, not not a great scene then, not a great scene now. I didn't uh, watch it terribly closely this week because I just really don't like it. So didn't want to watch it. Mm-hmm. Can you uh, maybe talk about uh, the differences between uh, what the t- the show did in this season versus the books? Well, yeah, so this doesn't exist, at least not yet. I mean, and who knows what George R. R. Martin has up his sleeve whenever he uh, publishes The Winds of Winter, should such an occasion uh, occur. Um, but in the books as it stands, Sansa's still in the veil. She's never met Ramsay. Uh, that, has, that has not happened at all. There is a, uh, a different character who Ramsay marries. Uh, there's this young woman named Jane Poole who has appeared very, very briefly early on in the show and has not reappeared since it probably never will uh, who is Sansa's good friend who is uh, smuggled into Winterfell under the guise of being Arya Stark so it's like a sham wedding to make it look like the Boltons are more legitimate by marrying Ramsay to Jane Poole and a very similar scene occurs from Theon's perspective in the book where uh, Ramsay is not only making Theon watch uh, what he is doing to Jane Poole uh, but makes him part participate as well mm-hmm. uh and it, it's a very very grim terrible uh chapter to to read absolutely horrible mm-hmm. okay all right so uh this was for a lot of people very upsetting because uh this did not happen to sansa in the books they made this up for the tv show among the reasons why it sucks uh, i think i think that's certainly one of them but the the whole thing is horrible i will say the only thing uh this time that got me through it a little easier is like well one day she will feed this man to dogs mm-hmm. you know and that's something to look forward to is the 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 dog food that ramsey shall become okay all right and miranda she's gonna get hers yeah pretty soon actually yeah so it's all coming, it's all coming happening. right up it's all, happening. <laughs> it's all happening all right so we got through this we did it. It's not the Nightlands. The Nightlands is still the worst. Nightlands is still, and also the worst name. The worst name for sure. Mm-hmm. It was so uh, bad that they and, were like, oh, uh, we don't even know what to call this. Do you think that this is the worst of season five so far? Or is well, there a we haven't gotten five through season five. We haven't gotten through, I, right. I think this is uh, probably the nadir to this point. Right. I think largely because there's no Jon Snow storyline this week. I think that we really are uh, really I, I know at the, at the very least I'm very eagerly anticipating Hard Home, which is coming Two up here pretty away, right? soon. But look, yeah, but looking looking at the uh, at the episodes that are remaining in this season, there's the gift, which is going to be, you know, first contact between Daenerys and Tyrion. That's going to have some really good stuff in it. Hard Home, obviously really great episode. The Dance of Dragons is going to have a really cool scene mm-hmm. in it as well. And then we get to the finale. So I actually think that we're uh, we're facing some decent stuff coming down the pike here in season five. If you can get over some of the B list storylines like the A list storylines have some good material coming up. So maybe season five getting a little bit of a bum rap from me over the years. OK. All right. So we'll see. We'll see. It hasn't been nearly as painful to get through as I expected. Great stuff. Happy to be uh, back with you. Of course, uh, a lot going on post show recaps right now. Uh, Jessica Lisa and I got into the season nine 
premiere of The Walking Dead. Uh, that is up on PosterRecaps.com. And then Antonio Mazzaro and I uh, discussed the Better Call Saul Season 4 finale. Uh, so uh, both those shows are up now on PostShowRecaps.com. Oh, man. I'm so sad that Better Call Saul is over. You enjoy the season? Uh, it took a while, yeah. but once, once it got good, it got great. Yeah. So uh, it was a little bit of a slow burn to start. Uh, yes. so uh, go check out the finale recap with Antonio Mazzaro. Josh, any, anything else you want to say uh, while we're here? No. Um, I missed you. I missed you. I missed all of you. Missed you. Yeah. I'm happy. Happy, happy to be back. Happy to be back with you as well. We will be back to talk about The Gift coming up in uh, one week's time here on Post Show Recaps. You can make sure you're subscribed at postshowrecaps.com slash iTunes or for Game of Thrones only, postshowrecaps.com slash G-O-T iTunes. Follow Josh Wiggler on Twitter. He is at Round Howard. I'm at Rob Sestrino. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Bye.